You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, it's Jeff Ellis. Uh, I want to remind everyone that our sponsor for the week is a fantastic local website. It is called Ohio Verse Everyone. That's VS for Verse. And you're going to go there and be able to get all the information you could want on your local Ohio teams. OhioVerseEveryone.com. Head there today. So, what do you guys think about the new intro? The big thing I'm locked on right now, I'm going to move back from the mic. I don't know why I was sitting up on top of it. Uh, is to have these new intros. So that is our new fun intro. I picked a rock one. Uh, the choices were like hip hop, rock, and I think something jazzy. And uh, as a person whose uh, first concert ever was uh, Monster Magnet, Fear Factory, and Rob Zombie at the Jar Arena in Akron, it, it just felt appropriate. My last concert was Alice Cooper at the. Um, why am I blinking on the uh, the Akron Theater downtown, the uh, the one that's got all the history? But that was my last concert. Uh, many, many in between. Uh, but uh, it's some inside uh, inside the host, let's say, for this show. I'm recording this as Oliver Perez uh, seems to be trying to uh, give up the win here uh, for the Indians in the seventh. Uh, it, it, hopefully, it's not going to distract my attention too much. Because we do have a lot of things to talk about, actually. A lot of upcoming information and the like. Interesting trade talk uh, through some secondary sources that you can take it for what it's worth. But, yeah, right now I'm pretty distracted with runners on first and second and one out. Karen Chalk up in the pen. Man, so Karen Chalk has been the most effective reliever in baseball this year. He has uh, made me... And that's the thing. When it gets down to it, when you look at someone like myself, uh, I'm just extra cautious. For good or for bad, I am more cautious when it comes to prospects. And the concerns with Karen Chalk were, were always there, but uh, he has been utterly amazing. So, uh, you know, I'm glad that my concerns were nothing. Whereas, you know, my Oscar Mercado concerns are why he is now at the alternate site. And speaking of the alternate site in bad, you know, transitions, Clavenger is getting the call up. And there is an interesting bit about how the Indians talked with Plesak about how uh, you know, they just didn't have a spot for him and to explain that to him. And, you know, you kind of get it, but you also know that's not quite true. Like, Plesak is better than some of the options they have um, with this team. And he's down there right now, still kind of... I mean, the funny thing is, like, Plesak maybe never gets sent down if he doesn't release that dumb video. Like, he is going to spend more time in the alternate site than Clevenger. Clevenger was the villain. Everyone's like, okay, so he did something dumb, but at least he was honest about it. Then Plesak releases that video, man, and you go back to it. It's like, he's still in the minors because that video was just double down dumb. Let's get that double play. Nice. Uh, see, distraction. What a smart play by Jose Ramirez the third there. But, yeah, I mean, Plesak probably doesn't get sent down, or if he does, it's very short. And uh, instead, he's still down there. They don't, quote-unquote, have a spot for him. I'll be curious to see what this team does. Uh, you know, I talked about on the show yesterday. Some can make the argument that Plesak's value is never going to be higher than it is right now. We can also make the case that Clevenger is a, the most tradable asset on this team in terms of uh, established value, performance, and team control. We'll see what occurs. It does feel like an arm could be on the move 
for the Indians. Uh, the hot rumor uh, I was hearing today is that one of the biggest teams after them, you know, we talked about the Yankees, we talked about the Red Sox, is actually the Toronto Blue Jays. And that tracks for a couple of reasons. The first one is Ross Atkins, who's, you know, the general manager there, was in charge of the minor leagues in Cleveland when Clevenger was coming up, when Clevenger was a guy that was acquired by the Indians and who became, you know, this rising star for the organization. And since, you know, the front office grouping of Shapiro and Atkins have gone there, they went out of their way to add Thomas Pannone, another pitcher who is well-known to people inside the organization, maybe not as well-known outside. And Julian Merriweather, same story. I don't know if anyone saw. <laughs> I took a bit of a victory lap because fan graphs updated their big board. Now, part I am totally wrong about, and a part that <laughs> I really didn't like, um, I appreciate what they do there, is they jump Tristan McKenzie up to like 84th based on one start. I'm like, I just hate one start overreactions. That's just me. Uh, I mean, he was fantastic. We'll see if he continues it. Uh, I might be wrong and they could be right. That's just not how I operate. But he, would, he went from not even ranked in their top 10 Indians prospects to 84th overall. That's huge. The bigger ones for me were Sean Murphy, who I was always the high man on, getting a big jump. Jordan Groshans, who I believe that was also the Nolan Gorman draft. And I made the bold pronunciation that it was Groshans, not Gorman, who was the number one third prep third baseman in that class. And uh, I took a lot of dislike for it at the time, but I could be right. I mean, Gorman's also had some strong years in the minors, but I put Groshans higher than most would have had him turning upward. And then I go on this because Julian Merriweather got a bump as well. And, uh, you know, it, nothing I would have ever said on the podcast, unlikely, but I had Merriweather as a top 10 prospect before he got hurt. He had uh, a fastball that he could get up there, touching the upper 90s, and he had a slider that was a legit uh, plus offering. So there were reasons to like him. I thought maybe he'd work best in the pen because he was a two-pitch guy. The control was there, though. There's a lot of reasons to like him. And it's just humorous because you look at the Indians, they've kind of avoided senior signs for most of their drafting you know, time since the pool system has gone in. But Joey Wendell's in the big leagues. Julian Merriweather will be in the big leagues. Adam Scott is an interesting lefty. That's three of like the four senior signs they've maybe taken in their entire time using the pool system. They've been more effective with those senior signs uh, for the most part than they have been with some of the other players they've taken. I believe like was Josh, or God, I'm going to confuse Jacob Lee and Josh Martin. Uh, I think they were both pitchers from Samford, if I'm correct. But one of them uh, was the guy who got taken in the Rule 5 draft one year, and I was really high on him, and there was another reliever, and I don't remember enough off the top of my head to get all the data down. But there were a few relievers at the back that uh, it hasn't worked out with, where it was clear that these were just low men. Uh, was it like Billy Strobe was the Florida pitcher maybe in the 10th round? But uh, by and large, they have avoided that senior sign, but they've had a high success level compared to a lot of other picks with those seniors. And that's what we're seeing uh, with Merriweather, just unfortunate in the case of Merriweather and Wendell. It, they're going to hit the majors and have that success after being traded by the Indians. So Clevenger will be up for tomorrow's game. Uh, that should be Berrios on the hill tomorrow. And you've got... Uh, Clevenger instead of Plutko, which is a net win for your team. We don't know about the corresponding roster move. I'll be curious to see what that is. Do they send down uh, an arm who gets sent down if they're keeping McKenzie up? How do you juggle who's going where? Um, yeah, it's uh, all things to keep in mind. Consider we're getting 
closer and closer to that deadline. It's going to be really interesting to watch because we still have very little developing and just a lot of rumor mongering right now. Uh, we'll talk more about the Blue Jays' interest and the players that uh, I've heard from different sources, different bits of info. And then we'll also talk about these last two games from the Twins and Indians series in a moment. As mentioned at the top of the show, and to repeat in the middle of the show, Ohio vs. Everyone is a fantastic new website that has all of your Ohio sports teams covered. Whether you're an Indians fan, a Browns fan, maybe you like the Bengals. Maybe you're some weird hybrid of a Bengals fan, because when the Browns left, you wanted to root for an Ohio team, Indians fan, Cavs fan. Whatever you are, they have you covered. And I've mentioned before, the Indian site in particular is in good hands with Matt over there running things. Uh, I think I told the story about why I talk about his historical background uh, when it comes to sports, but you know that he was very anti-Spiders because this is a team, the Spiders, that were one of the historically worst teams in baseball, and, and the you know how you don't want to be associated with that, where most of us are like, Matt, no one else really knows that. Congratulations, you do. And that's why I love Matt, because I love the minutia, and he does too. So if you like my minutia, if you like the digging into historical information that I do on this podcast, go check out Ohio vs. Everyone. Go see what Matt is doing over there on the Indian site in particular. Okay, so we promised to talk about the Blue Jays. It was interesting because I had someone send me a theoretical trade today on Twitter, and I sent that out, and uh, I thought it was probably a little bit unbalanced to the Indians' favor uh, in that deal. And I thought probably the Giants were getting the worst end of it, maybe. But it's one of those deals where I looked at it and I go, that's a deal that probably everyone hates, so it might be better than you think. Now, for Indians fans, it was a pretty clear win. So I knew Indians fans would be pretty okay with it. But for the Giants and uh, Blue Jays, it's... You know, it's interesting to see how people react to it. I chose to stay out of the fracas. My whole thing was just be nice to each other. Uh, don't be a terrible human being about this argument about deals. It is weird to me how many people still think that uh, Clevenger isn't good or that he's going to be had on the cheap. Uh, I, I just don't see how you can think that anymore or how you can make the case that Clevenger is, uh, isn't worthwhile. I sent out, <laughs> it was very humorous today. Uh, there was a tweet that got sent out this morning about uh, the cost to get Clevenger. And for once, it was actually something coming out of New York that was very well-reasoned and it made a lot of sense. And it had some good parts to it that described, you know, what a deal would uh, cost for a team to acquire um, Mike Clevenger. I'm going to pause the podcast real quick, and I want to pull up that exact tweet. It was from Dan Federico, who uh, I'm not super familiar with, but he's got over 8,000 followers, and a lot of people I like follow him. Uh, currently writes for Bronx to Bushville. You know, I don't know the Yankees blogs, but clearly has the followers, has almost three times mine. Guy who is at some connections to the organization, um, enough people follow that I'm going to, you know, I, I think he's a good source at this point in time. But when asked, he asked around about the Yankees as a possible trade for Clevenger, a source with knowledge of the trade market said it'll take a haul. Two young pitchers, a middle infielder and an outfielder being the asking price. And then mentions Bauer, uh, Cueto, and uh, Evo Valdi as more likely to be dealt. And this is what I've been talking about, four pieces. 
That's something I've said from the beginning. If you've been listening to the podcast, four pieces is the average going price for a top 20 pitcher in baseball when he gets moved when there are multiple years of control, which is the case here. That doesn't surprise me at all. The humorous part after this was the number of people who were saying, I would not give that up for Clevenger. I would give that up for Bauer, though. And this was a lot of people who were like, oh, all about Bauer. And I'm like, do you guys pay attention? Clevenger's better than Bauer. And he's got two more years of control than Bauer. What are you even talking about, people? So that that amused me greatly. But, you know, that was some confirmation to me that of Clevenger's price. Now, the player I've heard that the Indians like with the Blue Jays is Jordan Groshans. That should come as no surprise uh, at all that they like him. I've heard the Blue Jays are shopping Teoscar um, right now, and that is to me that they feel that they can sell at his highest point right now. And we talked about, I think I talked about on the show, but if I have not, uh, he's another one of those guys with extremely high K rates, and those guys can get really hot, and then they can fall to earth. And it is, you know, in that same fan, gra- fan graphs, thing uh they knocked down drew waiters and as eric long and Hagen pointed out he goes my evaluation hasn't changed but i look you know when you look at the success level of players with that big swing and miss without a comparable walk it is really bad and you know someone like eric went and looked at stuff and realized that and i've talked about that on the show and you know eric is really good at what he does so don't take this as me um you know i've now made two comments that someone could misconstrue Eric is a fantastic writer. Go read his stuff. I use Fangraphs lists uh, to, as a reference point because Eric is so good at what he does. But, you know, it's the same point of view I have. So the, the Blue Jays, from a secondary source, not the one who mentioned Groshans, another person I was talking with said that, uh, yeah, I think they're actively trying to sell at peak value with Teoscar, that they think that, uh, you know, he had a hot second half a year ago, and then he's had the, uh, the really great out of the gate, and we'll have to see from there. You know, if he can keep it up. But uh, most people, it seems, maybe the Blue Jays even think that is not going to happen. So I'll be curious to see um, how this all develops with the Indians at the deadline. I could see something smaller. I'm very curious to see uh, if anyone else goes out and makes a uh, a big move who are going to be the names on the market. I think, I don't think the Reds would move Bauer. Uh, Cueto's with the Giants, so maybe, but there's some talk the Giants want to contend sooner rather than later. I don't know. Uh, one of the hot names at the deadline has been Trevor Rosenthal with the Royals. If you recall, I he was one of my number one free agent signing targets because I trusted the Indians' ability to work with pitchers, and when he was peak, he was such a good reliever. Well, the Royals fixed him, and now they're going to get good value for him. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'm taking a victory lap there. Sorry if you're getting annoyed with me in victory laps in this one, but I earned them. Uh, one I would have never in a million years predicted was Mike Yastrzemski, who I'm going to bring up because the, the author of that trade who uh, sent it to me on uh, Twitter had involved him going to the Indians, and someone talked about, you know, that uh, the best player in the deal was going, the Giants were losing the best player in the deal, and I hadn't looked at Yastrzemski realized he's worth almost two wins so far this year and is a legit MVP candidate. What a story, right? Like, bloodlines aside, this is a guy who was a 36th round draft pick, a 30th round draft pick, and then a 14th round draft pick as, I assume, a senior from Vandy. Like, he was playing at a top university, didn't do enough, undersized, battled his way through the minors and then is 
a possible MVP candidate. And he had a an okay year at Vandy. It was nothing spectacular you'd write home about. But solid production throughout his minor league career uh, outside of 2016. And I guess 2015 wasn't that great as well. But that's the problem. His age 24 and 25 years were the down years. And then it took him a while to uh, get that spot last year at San Francisco. And it just... I love those stories. I love those guys that come out of nowhere. It's like J.D. Uh, Martinez, if you remember. He was a guy that the Tigers got out of nowhere after the Diamondbacks let him go. But I digress. That's that's stuff for me. <laughs> Maybe not as much for you guys out there. So let's quickly, with the time we have left, talk about these two Indians games. So the opener. I called it a, a coin flip, and I think that worked, right, as a coin flip game. Uh, 3-2 to two affair. That seems like a coin flip to me. Penn was solid in that one for the Indians. Hard luck loss for Aaron Saval. Two home runs. It's, I mean, the Indians are a team that gives up home runs. Talked about how good uh, Sano has been in terms of power. Talked about how good Cruz has been. And those were two guys who came back to get the Indians. Talked about Trevor May, who had been really effective but home run prone. And while they did not get a home run off of him, they were able to, uh, to get a run off of him in the seventh. On the whole, like I look at this game and Freeman in left field is just the unforgivable sin for me. He's not a good hitter and he's not an outfielder. Playing that stuff is just putting your team in a bad situation. Yes, you have a, a righty on the mound, let Luplo play. Or I'm sorry, it was, yeah, it was a righty. So let Naquin, Naquin was already playing. Play Domingo Santana, play somebody, figure something out. You know, have Delano DeShields out there. Don't put Freeman out there. I mean, it's just, it's a bad choice for this team. It doesn't set them up to win. It sets them up to lose. And that just annoyed me to no end. And then uh, Freeman misplayed a ball in the first. And lo and behold, or was it the, yeah, the first. And one could argue that, you know, that led to some extra pitches, some extra at-bats. And maybe it ends up with that uh, Sano home run doesn't happen if there's not that misplay. It's hard to get too upset in a 3-2 loss. Uh, again, I called it a coin flip, and it was. I thought the Indians had a pretty clear advantage in the game today. Uh, unfortunately, Shane Bieber had a rough outing. And <laughs> it's I'm laughing because it's a rough outing, uh, arguably Shane Bieber's worst of the year. And in a off night for Shane Bieber, he goes six innings, allowing four hits and walked three. Two earned runs came across, and he struck out 10. How many pitchers is that one of their five best starts of the year? For Shane Bieber, that is his worst performance this year. Uh, it's just silly to think about that. But in terms of just his effectiveness, it, he had uh, a rough second inning that they ended up getting two off of him. Thankfully, uh, we had a home run. Ooh, Naquin nearly lost that one in the eighth. We had a home run by Lindor that gave the Indians the lead. And then... Uh, you know, a lot of the talk about that sixth inning will be about Lindor, and that's fair. But Carlos Santana should get some credit there for that fourth run in the sixth. And I didn't see as much of this online, but if you weren't watching at home... So, after uh, the Lindor home run, Carlos Santana walks. And then Franmo Reyes grounds out to second. If Santana does not hurry, if he doesn't have, you know... Uh, if he's not out of the gate trying to get to second, if he's dogging it even a little bit, that's a double play. Uh, Santana forces them to go to first to get the out. So when Naquin doubles, they're able to get that fourth run across. That is just, it's a fantastic job 
Oliver Island, Carlos Santana. Oh, I love him. I'm sorry. He's one of my favorites. I can't uh, can't cover that up. Can't hide it anymore. Uh, at his age, the fact that he somehow is a better defender this year than last year, still able to be productive, even if he's not quite as productive as he was a year ago. What a, what a year for a team that's struggling. It's like they don't have much. Lindor is scuffling. And his, let's be fair, though. I see a lot of people saying, oh, you know, they have Jose Ramirez and Lindor, and when those guys aren't good, the rest of these players can't, uh, can't pick up the slack. Santana, Hernandez, and Reyes are all playing pretty well. Yes, that is. After that, you're running into some issues, and the fact that Lindor is not playing well makes that more pronounced. So you have three guys, what, I'm sorry, four guys who are hitting. If you had Lindor at his usual, usual stuff, self, you'd have five guys, and you could deal with the rest. Also in tonight's game, we saw that effective platoon. Now, Leplo's base running left something to be desired. Two at-bats, two walks, you take that. Naquin pinch hits when they go from the lefty to the righty, and he hits a double. That was a really effective platoon for the Indians a year ago. They messed around with it. Naquin was hurt. They wanted to give Leplo more chances, and he had been hurt at the start of the year. There were all these things they did. Not good choices. Just let that platoon be that platoon and be effective. They still need another outfielder. They still need someone who can plop down in that other corner spot because Domingo Santana has not been good this year, and he's a bad defender. He's a really bad defender, so if he's not going to hit, he brings a net negative value to the game because the defense and the base running is not there. Uh, Delano DeShields in center is not ideal either, let's be honest. But for this team, they have to find a way to get an outfielder. Uh, we will dig into some of those uh, outfielders who could be available to the Indians in a trade, talk maybe about what Nolan Jones could bring or how they could find a way to make that work as well. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians podcast. I want to thank all of our listeners, everyone who rates, reviews, and subscribes. It means the world to me. It means the world to this little podcast. We are growing all the time, and I only have the fan base to thank. And as always, go Tribe!